Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God. I pray that you would plant it deep in our hearts, Father, that it would grow, that it would change us, that it would speak to us, that it would grow us, that it would mature us, that it would fill us with your life and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Please welcome our associate, Pastor Gary. Amen. How come when he said, don't hug hug any strange men, nobody came up to me? See what you did? That's right. I didn't see too many people hugging you either. Okay. See, I got the mic. I could say anything. So if you can turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, starting in verse 5. And while you're turning there, I'm going to ask my wife Norma to come and and pray. Not that Pastor George's prayer wasn't good enough, but... Father, your word says that your people perish for lack of knowledge, Lord. So we don't want to perish. We want to listen, we want to learn, and we want to be equipped to spread your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to start reading at verse 5. It says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. I'm going to skip down to verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. And what I want to do today is continue with Pastor George's series series on the names of God. And the name of God that I want to speak about today is Redeemer. The Bible says that God is our Redeemer. Now, what does that mean? We have a lot of fancy Christian words. We call Christianese, and we could sit and preach it, and no one will know what we're talking about. So what does that mean, that God is our Redeemer? But let me tell you first what redeem means, what the word means. First of all, it means to set free or to rescue. God is your Redeemer because He rescued you from a life of sin, from a life of poverty, from a life of hopelessness, from a life without hope. He redeemed you out of that. He rescued you out of it. And He brought freedom into your life. Now what does freedom mean? Freedom doesn't mean that now we can go live any way we want to. 
and say, well, oh, I'm free in Christ. I can go around, live any kind of wicked lifestyle, violate the Word of God. What, it, what freedom means is that I can be free from my past. I can be free from shame. I, shame. I can be free from sin. I can be free from addiction. It means nothing can hold me back anymore. The world can't hold me back anymore. As Ephraim was saying before, your past cannot hold you back anymore because God has redeemed you or brought you out of it. Redeem also means to save from a state of sinfulness and its consequences. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're struggling with sin. You feel like you're not pleasing to God. Maybe some of you here, you're bound in addiction or hopelessness. But God is here to redeem you. He's here to lift you out of it. Because God is never content to leave us in the state that we're in. But his heart is always to redeem. It's never to pour out his anger. You can hear a lot of preachers and that's all they focus on. God is pouring out his wrath. Escape the wrath of God. And there's some truth of that. But why, do, why does God bring judgment? It's because he wants to get our attention to turn us back to him. It's always his heart to bring you back. It's never God's heart. It's never his will to, to pour out anger and judgment on you so that you'll walk away and be destroyed. That's a lie of the enemy. In the beginning, in the beginning I read Isaiah 54. In verse 5 it says, your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Now verse 6, the Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. And and some of you might feel like that today in your life. Maybe you're not a, a wife who has been rejected and forsaken, but that paints a picture for some of us. That in our lives we've been rejected, we've been alone, there's been nobody to call on. People have abandoned us, we felt abused and rejected. There's no one to help us. And you know what God says? I'll be your husband. And he's not only speaking to women, because he's speaking in a spiritual sense. I'm married to you, and I'm bringing you out of that place of rejection. I'm bringing you out of your poverty. I'm bringing you out of your despair. Maybe you've been rejected just like this wife, but I'm going to be the faithful husband. I'm marrying myself to you. The Bible says that God is even married to the backslider. So maybe you're here in church today and you've messed up. You're ashamed. You don't want anyone to know what you've been doing. And God says, I'm married even to you. I'm not willing to let you go. But what God does, he redeems us. Because the third meaning to redeem is to restore the honor, the worth or reputation of a person. And that's what God wants to do for you. Maybe, maybe your reputation's been messed up. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve any honor. Maybe you feel insignificant or worthless. 
And that's what the work of God is. It's to redeem you, to give you value and worth in your life, to create something out of nothing, to take the ugliness, the the devastation, the hurt, the woundedness, the failure, the sin, and make something beautiful from out of the mess, from out of the ashes, the Bible says. The Bible says from out of the ashes of all the burnt relationships, all the abusive seasons, all the mess-ups, everything you've done to mess up your finances, God wants to restore and redeem every area of your life and give you honor and make you worthy. If you don't feel worthy today, you've been believing the wrong gospel. Because the fact is, none of us deserves the love of God. But God loves you so much that I've got to, I'm going to jump to this verse. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. And I'm going to read this from the Message Bible because it has a very powerful translation. And then I'm going to call, um, Melissa is going to come up and help me because sometimes I, ne- I need help to explain some of this stuff. So Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. God arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his, listen to this, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. He came looking for you when you were in your sin, rebellion, you wanted nothing to do with God. The church was far from you, and you didn't choose God, the Bible says. God chose you in spite of everything, in spite of your failure and woundedness and dishonor and every evil thing that you've ever put your hand to. God came looking to you. Come and show them, Melissa. Amen. While while we were of no use to him, whatever, God came and chose us. You wanted nothing to do with him. And he came and sought you out. This might be a surprise to you, but you're not here today because you chose God. The Bible says nobody could come to God unless the Father draws him. So if you're sitting here in church today, it's because God brought you here. Because the Father loves you and He's called you. I'm going to read right now from 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 26, but you don't have to turn to it. I'm going to read from the Message Bible. Take a look, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life, which means the Christian life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, 
not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? This is Bible, I'm not making it up. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean state, a slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. How many nobodies, no-name people we got here today? As I look around, we don't have too many movie stars, not too many doctors. Not too many famous people, not too many celebrities. Because the Bible says that God takes the nobodies. It's not that he's not interested in the celebrities and the rich and the powerful. God is looking for them also. But God chooses to take all the broken nobodies, the Bible says, The King James says the base, worthless things of the world, the abused people, the overlooked people. And he has chosen us so that his glory can be seen. So that when people look at your life, they'll they'll praise God. We've been having all those testimonies being spoken week after week about people coming out of abuse, coming out of poverty coming out of brokenness, coming out of failure, and standing up here week after week and say, God changed me and made something beautiful out of my life. And that's what God delights to do. He loves to take the foolish things, the nobodies, the nameless, faceless people that maybe the world doesn't recognize you. Maybe you don't get a lot of accolation or applause in your life. But heaven recognizes you. So if you feel like a nobody today, if you said, I, I'm nothing, my family was nothing, then you're, you're the one God is looking for. Because he wants to show you off to the world. It would be easy if God took all these rich, famous people and just save them, only the, only the doctors and the lawyers. And people would say, well, those people, they were rich and smart. They did it on their own. But God likes to show us off by taking all of us who have been so broken and rejected and hurt by life, swept under the rug, kicked around, considered nobody, considered riffraff, And he wants to take us, and he wants to elevate us before the world to say, look what I can do. I can take all the brokenness, and I can create something that's beautiful and valuable and worthwhile. And that's you. If you're sitting here right now, I'm not talking just to the person next to you. I'm speaking to you. You could be sitting here right now and feeling worthless, Feeling nobody cares about me? Well, God the Redeemer is on the way because He's married to you and He's going to pull you out of that state. He wants to redeem you. (coughs) 
Amen. I'm going to read one more scripture, Isaiah chapter 41. I want, to, I want to show you from the Bible that what I'm saying is true because so many people twist the word of God to make it sound like God is angry and impatient. So I'm going to read Isaiah 41 verse 13. For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. In other words, if you feel insignificant like a worm, a worm is like the lowest thing on the earth. God says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. My right hand upholds you. Do not fear. Verse 15, you will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. You will tear your enemies apart, making chaff of mountains. You will toss them into the air, and the wind will blow them all away. A whirlwind will scatter them. Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. God is going to take you out of your powerlessness. Maybe you feel like you're being overwhelmed by your problems, your circumstance, your enemies, that life is overtaking you. But the Bible says God's going to make you like a threshing machine on the mountain, which means you're going to start tearing up every hindrance in your way. There's nothing that can hold you back anymore because he says in that scripture, I, the Lord, have redeemed you. I bought you with a price. I called you out. I call you out. And right now God is speaking to some of you and he's calling you out of that place of despair, that place of hopelessness. Where all you see is the mountain in your way. Some of you, there's big mountains, it seems like, in your way. Financial mountains, relationship mountains, emotional mountains, spiritual mountains. And it seems like every time you start to move ahead, you can't break through. But, it, but if you'll just cooperate with God, if you'll just hold his hand, he's going to make you into that threshing machine that's going to tear down everything that hinders you. Nothing can stand in your way. You might feel like the worm that God was talking about. You feel powerless, helpless like the worm. But that's not who you are anymore. Maybe that's who you used to be. But if you've got a heart full of God, nothing can stop you anymore. There's nothing, there's nobody. Not the economy. The economy, the gas prices cannot hinder you. Your boss cannot hinder you, your co-workers, your husband, your wife. I don't care who it is that's standing in your way. They can't stop you because God is making you into a threshing machine with sharp teeth. And you're going to break through. There's breakthrough ahead as we heard this morning.
I said I had only one more scripture, but I was just giving you hope. I really have another one. I want to read from Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, the story of the valley of dry bones. And this is Ezekiel the prophet speaking, and he was having a vision. And it says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each party came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message and he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And that's what redemption is all about. It's about a valley of dry bones. It's about a bunch of broken people. A bunch of broken, messed up failures where it seems like it's all over. It seems like death is going to win. It seems like depression is going to overtake us. It seems like it's all over. But God came to Ezekiel and he said, can these bones live? And I got to ask you that question today. The broken places in your life, the devastation, the hurt, the abuse, the torment, the backstabbing that you've suffered, whatever it is. Can those bones live? What do you see? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you just see dry bones? Or do you believe the word of the Lord that those bones can live? See, that's what true prophetic ministry is. True prophetic ministry is not going around and pointing out everything that's bad about yourself. It's, not, it's also not going around pointing out Everything bad about everyone else. I'm tired of that kind of prophetic ministry. I've known those kind of prophetic people for years. And when they come to prophesy, oh, that one, they're an angry person. Oh, that one, they got a lying spirit. You don't need a prophet to point out your faults, do you? To point out your problems? Does it take a prophet? But this is where it takes a prophet. This is where it takes the people of God, the mind and the heart of God. 
to look into the devastation, the brokenness, the hurt of your life and see the beauty and see the destiny and see the purpose and then prophesy to it and say, come to life. Those bones can live. But you got to believe it. I know too many Christians that just see themselves as a bunch of dried, broken bones and they're willing to live their whole Christian life that way and never come into their purpose or their destiny. But you see, there's greatness in every one of you. There's great purpose in you. God has ordained every one of you for great works, whether in the church or out of the church. Whether it's in business or in school, whatever it is, God has great things for you. But what do you see? Do you believe that the bones can live? Then you need even to begin to prophesy over yourself. Begin to speak the word of God over yourself and say, yes, these bones can live. And then prophesy the breath of God to bring life. Because God, there was a mighty army raised up. And that's what God wants to do in this church. God wants to take all the broken, dead bones. And every one of us are filled with, have left behind us, even some of you who are very young, have already left behind you a trail of broken, dead bones and waste. But God wants to take that waste. He wants to take the failures, your sins. And I don't care how bad your sins have been. I don't care what you could tell me that you've ever done wrong. God wants to take those bones of your failures, speak into it, and raise you up to a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God. And your failures will not stop you. But we need to begin to see ourselves that way. And this is not only for you. But God has called all of us to be his representatives and his ambassadors. So the redemption is not only for you. But God wants you to be an ambassador of redemption to start seeing other people differently. When you see somebody else who who seems like their life is messed up. Can you look at them and, and see that those dry bones can live instead of tearing them down? I'm tired of gossip and backbiting and slandering in the church. How, how many other of you maybe didn't even go to church for a long time because you were tired of all that? I, I'm tired. I, I get weary every time I hear it. There's there's two types of people that gossip. They're the people that speak the gossip and they're people that are listening to it. We're, We're not here to listen to gossip, listen to negative reports about people. Any anybody can do that. I can speak anything negative about anyone, but it takes somebody of virtue, someone of character, to look into that person who is failing, the person who's hurting, the person who's not acting the way they should, and see the destiny and purpose in them and begin to speak it into their life. In in Isaiah 58, verse 9, it says, God, this is God's, 
God's heart for the people. It says, you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Do you want God to answer your prayers? Do you want God to hear you when you cry out? Then we got to do away with that pointing finger and the malicious talk. And we have to start speaking life into people. That's what church is all about. It's not about bringing out people's faults and spreading it around. There's a ministry that I work with in Oklahoma, and the head of the ministry has a rule. If you go to her and gossip about somebody else, she says, I'll give you 24 hours, and if you don't go tell that person directly, I'm going to go tell them what you said. I think we ought to have a rule like that. Because this needs to be a safe place. This needs to be a place of redemption where people can come and find life and so that you can receive that and go back out into the world and begin to bring redemption to those around you who are hurting. Many of you work with angry, bitter people and instead of always seeing that, maybe we need to see the good. We need to see God's purpose in them, the beauty, the greatness in them, and begin to call it out of them instead of tearing them down and ripping them up. So I, I need help again. So I need uh, Martina. Where's Martina? And Jessica. They're hiding. Oh, there they come. I don't know, Pastor George. I keep getting stuck. I got to bring the reinforcements here. Oh, could you, could you put it back in the beginning? He was a handsome young man, a senior in high school, well-respected young man, popular but cool. The ladies loved him and every guy envied him. It seemed as though everything was going well for him. But his peers didn't see what he did behind closed doors as a result of his pops leaving him at age four. Abandoned him and his mom ran off with another woman, never returned and it left him in bitter ruins. Every day he'd see his fragile mother cry. When he was sick, she popped the pills, committed suicide. His tender soul experienced painful reality. So alone in an ugly world of tragedy. He hated life, couldn't take the pain he now felt. Began to drink cause he couldn't help but blame himself. Drove to his death, crashed his brand new BMW. Just desperate for the love that he never knew. Lonely child walks the earth alone. Has not the one for love, that's why he's so cold. Lonely child goes to sleep at night. With the spirit of depression as the world he fights. This hurting soul is so scared He wants to break out of his shell But he won't dare So he finds a place to hide Contemplates suicide To kill that pain inside She stands alone in front of the mirror About to go insane Counting down the seconds that she has Before she blows her brain Abused and neglected The mirror just reflected An image of a girl who was wounded and rejected She screams it wasn't my fault that time She begins to weep as the memory comes to mind Her parents were out She was alone that night He unexpectedly showed up to the house that night It was dad's friend from work that caused all this pain He violently stole what was hers to give away She now despises men, has trust issues with them Cut off every guy 
relationship became a lesbian Her church and Christian friends didn't help but turned away They didn't know about her secrets of pain and rape At school people called her lesbo and tight She cursed her day of birth then took her own life Rose now walks the earth alone Has not the one for breath, that's why she's so cold Lonely child goes to sleep at night With the spirit of depression as the world she fights this hurting soul is so scared She wants to break out of her shell But she won't dare So she finds a place to hide Contemplates suicide To kill that pain inside Now these stories aren't true But the saddest part is All across the globe People can relate to it In America Land of the free Home of the brave We got U.S. citizens Dying of drugs and AIDS Teenage girls having sex Aborting pregnancies And for the girls who keep the baby The father up and leaves Who's victims of rape, murder, and disease I had a cousin because she OD'd people are locked behind the bars in their mental prison They're blind in the dark seeking to find vision And what gets to me is Christians who won't reach out We stay stuck in our box and refuse to come out We're too holy to be seen by gang members But even Jesus chose with sinners and tax collectors Seriously, we need to demonstrate the love he gave And when we meet hurting people, this is what we say Holy child, I will walk with you The warmth of God's love is gonna pull you through Lonely child, sleep in peace tonight With the spirit of comfort, I'ma help you fight Hurting souls, don't be scared You can break out of your shell If you dare, you no longer need to hide He'll restore your life and cure that pain inside Amen. How, how many of you are willing to take, take that challenge and say, I'll be the one to go to those hurting people. I'll be the one to bring redemption, to bring beauty into ugliness, to bring wholeness into brokenness. See, we're not just here in church only to receive, but we're here to receive and then go back out into the world and be God's army, to be his instruments of redemption of bringing back everything that's been destroyed. God wants to restore everything that the enemy has stolen from you, even in the world, even the arts. People ask me, why do we have rap and hip-hop? We're not supposed to do that in church. Can anybody show me in the, anywhere in the Bible where it says we can't, we, we're stuck to certain forms of music? Well, you might say, but I, I know that rap and hip-hop out in the world that sings about a lot of ugly, terrible stuff. Well, God wants to take that music and he wants to redeem that too. Even Miguel taught me a rap. You want me to do it? He told me, here we go. Shake it. Don't break it. It took your mama nine months to make it. Yay! Thank you, thank you. Wait, did I do it right? I'm not sure if, if that was a good example of redeeming rap for the Lord or not. But I think Jessica did a lot better with that. But God wants to take back the things that are considered the property of the enemy. 
I'm going to ask for Double Edge to come up right now. I've gotten beat up in church at different times through the years because people tell me, well, that music is all right, but not on a Sunday morning in church. But guess what? If it's not all right on a Sunday morning, it's not all right any time. There's nothing unholy about a style or a form of music. But God wants to redeem everything for the Lord. He wants to redeem the movies. He wants to redeem theater, the arts. Bring, he wants to take back creativity from the enemy. The enemy doesn't own anything. We want to take it back from hell. So we're not afraid of unconventional worship. It's not about form because God has taken it back. Everything the enemy's stolen. But it's about the heart of worship going up to the Lord. And God wants to redeem every part of your life. All the hurt, all the brokenness, every trial. Every sinful failure. Just like he's restoring music and taking away from the enemy the tools and using it for his purpose to reach a generation in these last days. God is going to do the same thing in your life. He's bringing you back. He's pulling you out of the mud, out of the ashes, out of the devastation. And he's creating something Something from nothing. He's a miracle working God. A miracle working God. There's no failure in Him. No failure in Him. So I'm just going to ask for the prophetic team to come up right now. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.